Welcome to Bible Fellowship Church's The Upper Room. Our podcast addresses the Christian's role in today's culture. We hope you enjoy it and find it informative. To help support our ministry, please consider becoming a subscriber and financial contributor. Links to donate are on our website at bfcforyou.org. Now let's get going. Welcome to the Upper Room. This is Pastor Scott, and with me tonight I have a fellow elder, Roy Jarnigan. Roy, how are you doing this evening? Doing good. Good to have you with us on the podcast. Good to be here. So we were supposed to have my daughter, Aubrey, with us this evening on the podcast as well, but uh, we got preempted by a dinner date, so she's off doing that right now and decided that was more important than, than hanging out with the old guys. So <laughs> I can't blame her for that one. Yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so we'll uh, try to round up more of the younger people in the church and, and get them uh, included in, in the podcast. And so we'll uh, keep working on that and see how things go. Is a last ditch effort. I was going to see if I could grab Andrew and maybe have him come on this evening, but he wouldn't have been prepared at all. And so I didn't think that was fair to, to do that to him. Yeah. But uh, anyway. So everything going good at your house? Yeah. Yeah, going good. A little tired, long day, but. Yeah, work going all right? Yeah, it's going okay. It's, it's been better, but could be worse. <laughs> That's what we like, a positive mental attitude. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Well, we want to talk a little bit about Don's sermon, um, which I think was actually probably what we needed to hear this last Sunday, especially with the events going on in the world this week. And so I wanted to start out um, by asking you, Roy, you know, in listening to his sermon, uh, hopefully you got a chance to listen to the podcast of it again. Uh, I think it came out Wednesday to uh, yesterday. So if you got a chance to listen, okay, if you got a chance to listen to that, then uh, what were, I guess, what was the big um, theme or point of of the message? Well, the thing that comes to my mind is uh, the theme of peace and joy and that particular verse that talks about the uh, mountains and hills break forth before you and the trees of the field clap their hands. So there was a song about that. I don't know if you're familiar with that song. Um, I think we may have even sang it in the choir or something. So that's kind of, what oh, I, yeah. that's what I hear <laughs> echoing when I read that. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I thought the same thing. He, he opened up kind of with that, you know, with the whole idea of peace and joy and, and talking about, um, just this, this sense of, of peace, which is something I think every human being longs for, you know, our world is so chaotic and with the sin in the world and our sin natures and everything, we, we have a hard time finding peace. Exactly. I think there's a lot of other world religions too, that, you know, that's kind of the focus of their religion is, you know, Hinduism and a lot of other things is they, they seem to really seek out peace. You know, this idea of, can I obtain, you know, peace in my life? Yeah. People often talk about world peace has kind of been something that everybody wishes for and prays for, but don't think anybody really believes it's possible. Yeah, exactly. It seems elusive. Like it's never going to happen. Right. But, you know, that's where our hope comes from is, is this idea of Christ's return and things finally being set right and that we can enjoy actual lasting peace. Exactly. 
So I thought the message was really good. I thought it was also interesting too how he talked about basically that how you obtain that peace. Did you get that out of the message as well? Yes. Yeah. That uh, certainly comes from <clears throat> spending time in God's word, putting your faith in his word, living according to his word. These are the things that bring peace. Yeah. So there there was a heavy emphasis on on being in the word and, and learning the word and doing the word. But he, he also tied it to having a, how did he say it? Did he, I can't remember if he used the, the term was humble or humid or not humid. <laughs> Lived in the South too long. Right. Humility. Or if he was taught, he had, I think they had another word for it. Um, but the other thing, the other part of it was contrite. It was contrite. a contrite. Yes. Was it humble? Was it a humble and contrite heart? I can't remember. But anyways, that was that was part of lowly and contrite. Lowly and contrite. That's what it was. Lowly. Yeah. So he went into some explanation of what it meant to be lowly. And uh boy does that fly in the face of uh society and the way we're raised today to think of ourselves and self-esteem and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, and he defined contrite as like uh, from the Hebrew root, I suppose, uh, it's being oppressed, hmm. which is not really the way that I thought of contrite before. I thought of contrite like being you're caught in a wrong and then you like accept responsibility and admit that you did wrong, whatever that to me was uh, was being contrite. But I could be wrong about that. That's kind of how we think of it, sort of in a legal term, right? So if you go in a, into a courtroom situation and you're the guy being prosecuted, and one of the things the jury and the judge looks for is, is are you demonstrating being contrite? You know, have you, you know, are you sorry for what you did? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting that oppressed would be one of the possible, I guess, definitions for the Hebrew word that's used from there. Now, lowly, I think of as being oppressed. You know, that to me seems a kind of a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Israel would know a lot about being oppressed. Yeah. And and Jesus said he saw the people um, beaten down like a sheep without a shepherd. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, we all kind of feel like that at times, right? Like the world life is just beating you down. <laughs> right. <laughs> It takes yeah. effort to get back up each day. Yeah, I seem to be going through some of that lately. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good, but yeah, I think we all experience it at one time or another. Yeah. Yep. But kind of reflecting back a little bit to the um, previous verse, we talked about that uh, really have this experience of, of joy and, and peace. Sometimes you really appreciate that if you've been through some times where you've been mm. beaten down. And gone through some difficulties. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the message I preached a while back and then taught again at the Versity Conference was, um, you know, crisis and troubles and difficulties in life and why, you know, why do these things happen? And, you know, if God was a loving God, why does he let these things occur in our lives and whatnot? But really, it's there's a learning process there, right? That's right. I mean, if if you never experienced these down times, how could you really appreciate what was good in life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Don referred to the Hebrews passage where it talks about that God disciplines those He loves. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because He wants He wants people to come back to Him. 
You mm-hmm. know, he disciplines you to to draw you closer to him. Right. Yeah. During the message, I had a little trouble following along there. And I remember Sunday morning, it's like I had to hunt for the for the next verse when he kind of made that jump. So I no. listened really carefully, listened last night to see if he said, oh, I'm going from chapter 55 over to 57. And he didn't say that. He didn't. No. <laughs> No, he kind of hunted through and then just started with a verse 15 and didn't tell us what chapter he was in. Yeah. (laughs) But now we know. That's funny. And, you know, maybe we should back up a little bit and say, you know, the other kind of big theme that he talked about there in those um, like verse 10 and 11 of Isaiah 55, talking about uh, what the Lord says that like the rain and the snow, you know, and his word goes out and does not return void. And uh, I think that's, you know, a verse that is quoted, you know, pretty frequently. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Then that's verse 10, verse 11. So shall my word be, which goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Hmm. So, I mean, I think, again, that's kind of one of the, one of the big themes that uh, he brought out in this passage. Yeah, I think so too. It's interesting. The word picture that that puts in your mind as you read through that passage, the idea of the the rain and the snow coming down, and then you can see the, the grain, the, the, you know, the seed being sown and the crops growing up. And then from that, you can see it being harvested and then made into, you know, crushed into flour and made into bread and whatnot for our nourishment. And there's a whole process there. And it's, that's, it's a lot like getting in the word and reading the scripture. You know, a lot of times when you read through it that first time, you say, oh, okay, well, I've read it now. I under, you know, I've got everything I need. But then if you go back and you read it again, you start picking up things you didn't catch the first time. Mm-hmm. And then if you read it a third time, you pick up more things you didn't catch that time because God's working in your heart. And the Holy Spirit's beginning to help you to see things you didn't see before and get some understanding you didn't get before. And I've been listening to the audio Bible version over the last several days, and I'm in uh, Joshua now. And there's so many things visually going through and reading it that I didn't pick up until I was listening to it. And by Mm -hmm. listening to it, I'm picking up all kind of little details and things I didn't catch when when I read through it. And so it's interesting just using different forms of, you know, I guess the rain versus the snow in the analogy that uh, if you come at, come at it from a different direction, you actually might pick up more things that you didn't catch or see the first time around. Well, I'm doing a Bible reading plan and started January 1st. And so far, I've been able to keep up with it. So <laughs> but That's it's good. A, but it's a two year plan. So it's not quite as intensive as a one year plan. So I've uh, read Genesis and Job, and now I'm reading through. Exodus and getting mm. towards the end of Exodus. But, um, but yeah, I'm getting, you know, you, you kind of, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time and you just kind of think, you know, what all these chapters say. And then when you actually go back and read it and especially like reading like this, where you're just kind of going through and just reading everything, you know, sequentially. Yeah. It's like so many things do jump out at you. So well, I, didn't, I didn't remember that being there. <laughs> right. Exactly. A lot of little details get missed. Yeah. As you go through it again, you'll pick up things you didn't pick up the last time you went through. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's a good it's a good discipline to get into, you know, just 
reading, listening to scripture, being involved in the word on a, on a daily basis and letting it really talk to your heart. So, and, and get in your mind, you know, actually being able to memorize some of that stuff and where it comes from. One of the things I was impressed with, though, listening through it is how, how many different times as you go through those first five books of the Bible that what God expected of Israel is repeated over and over and over again, you know, like the giving of the law and the dietary requirements and all the things about relationships and marriage and, and, uh, you know, all these little legalese things that are, you know, part of the uh, Mosaic covenant and how that's repeated multiple times right. through all those books. Yeah. Last night I read about the construction of the temple. And yeah, that's actually that gets repeated a few times. Yeah, it's like I just that I that I jumped to the wrong chapter. I just read this the other night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've done the exact same thing. I, I start listening. It's like I thought. I think I've already heard this. <laughs> it's like nope. It's kind of, he's going over it again. Yeah. So, yeah, God God meant what He meant so much that He said it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, really good stuff. Good stuff. Were there any other highlights or things from the message you picked up? Uh, let's glance over my notes real quick. Okay. One thing that, uh, another thing that, that kind of jumped out at me is Don was talking about, um, the transcendence of God that, uh, he's outside of the universe and outside of time. So I'm reading a, a book right now. It's, um, called return of the God hypothesis. And it kind of talks about evidence for God in, in the, in the world, in the, you know, in the scientific world. And mm. part of it is about, the uh, way that the universe um, demonstrates that it had a beginning. And so this, you know, one implication of that is that God is outside of the universe that, that we know and all that we can observe as far as space and stars and galaxies and all that. God is, is outside of that entire, entire realm. And then the thing about him being outside of time, I guess that's one of those things I kind of, you know, contemplate and kind of trying to try to get a handle on it. <laughs> and I think maybe the best analogy that I've come across is, and uh, I think it was in C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. And he, he said, you can kind of think of it as an author writing a book. And the book has its, you know, time and, you know, sequence and everything. So things kind of happen like in the, in the time frame of that story. He said, but the author may have written a page and then, you know, set it aside and gone and taken a week of vacation or something like that. And then comes back and then picks up, you know, right again, but he's picking up at the, you know, the next second in the, you know, timeline of the story. So I guess that's one way. to. That's one way to think about it. Yeah. yeah. He also talks about God knowing the future and that's a little mind boggling or maybe more mind boggling. Yeah. I've always thought about it in terms of God being outside of the universe and outside of time. So he sits there and he looks at the, the ribbon of time and how it's all laid out and he can pick and intercede and interject at any point along that timeline, but we don't see it that way. You know, we we're living in the midst of it. And so we've, we view and experience time differently than he does. And, uh, but yeah, it's, that's a mind bender if you start thinking about it too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Then the thing about the universe, I always have to think of what's at the edge of the universe. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I can't quite process that either. <laughs> Can you actually fall through the edge of the universe and come outside of it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is it like a physical barrier? Yeah. Who knows? 
I guess someday we'll find out. Yeah. I don't think we could get there in this, um, in this realm. No, no. Maybe when we have our glorified bodies, we can uh, do more exploring. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. It's interesting stuff to think about. I think that, you know, the main thing was when we started out the message talking about joy and peace, you know, Israel at the time was, had just been ravaged by the Assyrians and were getting ready to be taken over by the Babylonians. And so there was this whole um, effort, I guess, by Isaiah to help them realize that even in the midst of everything, all the chaos that's going on in the world, that you can still experience joy and peace, which is, I think is still a message true for today. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've got events going on in the world right now. We've got Russia invading Ukraine. There's a lot of young people that are very concerned about, you know, World War III and, you know, will this extend into a larger conflict? You got China involved now. They're flying planes over Taiwan and Taiwan's airspace, trying to provoke them into a conflict. And so it's crazy times. Yeah. And of course, in the back of our minds, we're always thinking, well, is this the you know, winding up to the end of the time, the end of the dispensation or whatever. But of course we can't know that. Right. You know, sure I mean, it's always a possibility. It's always out there, but people have thought that, you know, many times before, oh, well, this must be the end. And then we've continued on. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine, especially, you know, during world war one and world war two, especially with coming into the atomic age and everything, I'm sure there was a lot of people thinking that this has got to be it. This must be the end. Mm-hmm. And here we are, what, 80 years later. So it's, uh, you just don't know. I mean, no, you know, Bible tells us no man knows. Right. You just need to be ready. Need to be ready. And if it's not the time, I think as Christians, you know, we need to be, we need to be praying, but we also need to be prepared to help alleviate the suffering that's going to occur because of war. You know, war is an awful thing. It does terrible damage. It exacts a, a terrible price tag on the people who have to go fight it. And the ones that die in, in some ways are the, the ones who escape it. It's the ones who come back and then have to live with everything they saw and experienced. And, you know, especially a lot of these soldiers that, you know, lose limbs and other horrible things that happen to them on the battlefield. And then they have to live with that for the rest of the remainder of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an ugly thing. And I remember one time some kind of discussion about PTSD and like one of the things that was an indicator of whether or not a soldier would suffer that was whether he had actually killed people in, mm. in the combat theater. And so again, that's like one of those things that, you know, life changing, you know, situation. Yeah. I, I could definitely see it from a couple angles, you know, being the person pulling the trigger on somebody else and ending somebody else's life would be a, a big life changing event for most people. And the other thing um, they, you know, in world war two, they always referred to it as shell shock. So if you were in a situation where you thought you were the one who was going to die and everything was blowing up around you and uh, you were just pinned down until it passed. And then somehow you miraculously lived while all your comrades around you were blown to bits. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the guys too, that also came back and just really struggled to, to deal with it. Yeah. A lot of times there's that survivor's guilt. Yeah. Goes along yeah. Why me? Why did I survive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's an awful thing. There's nothing, nothing good about it. 
And unfortunately, it seems like we've got a lot of people in our political sphere that seem to want us to get into conflict. And, you know, the cynic in me says it's because they're probably invested in some of these companies that make a lot of money when there's a war going on. But who knows? I mean, it's people have their reasons, I guess. But I think as Christians, we shouldn't be chomping at the bit for wanting to go to war. No, no. So on another topic there, too, I mean, um, for those of you out there and our listening audience that don't know, Roy uh, served for a while as a missionary in Haiti doing stuff with their radio ministry there. You hear anything more recently from Haiti? Well, nothing, nothing good. So yeah. it's, uh, I think it's almost be considered a failed state at mm. this point. So like crim- criminal gains are in control of, you know, just a lot of the functioning of the country. And it's, uh, it's just a bad, bad situation for uh, people living there now. And they had another earthquake or something here recently, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Like within the last um, couple of months or so? Right. As a matter of fact, it, it was pretty soon after I made my last trip down there that that earthquake right. hit right in the area, um, you know, where I was working. It's gotten to the point where like a lot of the missionaries that are serving in Port-au-Prince, uh, some of the missionaries are staying, but they're sending their families out. Hmm. Yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah. But just, you know, so much criminal activity and, you know, the you know group that I'm associated with, they had, um, you know, raised money, bought a lot of equipment, sent down a container, and then that container was hijacked, stolen, you know, when it was en route from the, you know, freight terminal out to the, you know, area where it's going to be distributed. And that's all, you know, all lost. No, no hope of, of getting it back. Haiti's in a, a bad way. How much, you know, it seems like it's interesting because what it's the Dominican Republic that's on the backside of the same island, right? Yeah. And they seem so, to be doing okay for the most part. But Haiti is just have this long-term history of terrible things, earthquakes and economic problems and terrible leaders and whatnot. How much of uh, that you think is a spiritual thing? Well, probably most of it. Yeah. But the Dominican Republic is not really that great a situation not, either. But not it's awesome just, either. Huh? <laughs> it's just a lot better by comparison. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so Haiti has like a third of the island and the Dominican Republic has like two thirds. But Haiti has like two thirds of the population. Hmm. So two thirds of the population and one third of the land area. And but, it's like uh, a pretty steep mountain range or something that separates yeah, them, right? Well, this the entire island is very mountainous. There's some peaks near ten thousand feet. Hmm. So really, really rugged. So why did people first settle there? I mean, was there some kind of industry or something that people originally well, that went was, there for? Yeah, they uh it was very uh productive agriculturally. Hmm. That uh they grew coffee and spices, indigo, you know, things like that. So the you know, French brought, you know, shiploads of slaves to mm. work the plantations there. And then eventually the slaves revolted, killed their, you know, French slave masters. And they became the first African uh, descent republic mm. in um, 1804, I believe. Oh, wow. So they've been independent a long, long time. Interesting. But it's never been very stable. No, never. Yeah. Seems like they kind of go from calamity to calamity. Interesting. Well, we've got another friend, um, Paul Miles, who is a missionary to Ukraine. And, and actually, he and his family have been living in Kiev for 
years now. And uh, last word we got was that he was in the United States at the time all this started up and was trying to decide whether or not he was going to go back there. I imagine with the invasion now, it's probably made his decision for him, especially since a lot of the initial targets by Russia were the airports. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's probably a good decision. Yeah. So I'm praying for Paul. I, I hope I hope everything's okay with he and his family and that they didn't get caught up in all this. I guess it's his wife, fam- wife's family that... I think so. Ukrainian. I think she's from there, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, keep these folks in your prayers. And we've got... You know, a lot of people around the world, a lot of a lot of missionaries, a lot of folks that are in harm's way pretty on a regular basis, really. And we just need to make sure we continue to pray for our missionaries that are around the world doing the work that um, that we help support. But we're not physically in there doing it. So the least we can do or I guess the best we can do is pray and make sure that, you know, we're constantly petitioning the Lord to to help and work on their behalf. Mm hmm. All right. Anything else you want to chit chat about tonight, Roy? Anything exciting going on in the Jernigan household? Uh, no, it's pretty, pretty routine here. Ready for spring to come. Yeah. It's kind of felt like it the last few days. It's been so warm out. Yeah. Yeah. It's giving us a little taste and I think it's going to be cool again tomorrow. So yeah, that's okay. It's a little too early to be so warm. I'm worried my Grapevines are going to start budding out, and then we're going to get another cold snap and kill all the buds. Oh, yeah. So, don't, don't need that. No, I definitely don't need that. So I'm kind of hoping it'll it'll hold off a little little longer, uh, give us some more time. Yeah, you, that's one thing about uh, agriculture and farming is you're always kind of at the mercy of the, of the weather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, and you can't control any of that. It just is what it is. So do you think this was a cold cold winter here? No, not really. We had like two or three weeks of, of unusually cold weather, but um, which lasted a little longer. Normally, we get about a week of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but this year, we had like two or three weeks in a row, which seemed kind of odd. And then, and then it warmed way up, which is also kind of odd. Normally, it doesn't do that either. So, Yeah, I just haven't been here long enough to really have the you know, pattern. Yeah, it's whatever. a strange, strange, strange winter. But... Good news is, is if we, if it does begin warming up sooner than later, we might get in the pool earlier this year. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got your whole solar heater system all. Oh, yeah. It's turned on now. Soon. I'm trying to do everything I can to add a little more warmth to that pool. So see if we can get into it a little earlier this year. And you've got a cover on it? No, I don't. I don't cover it. It probably would do a little better holding in the heat if I did keep it covered. But uh, I run the pump on it for, you know, four or five hours a day just to kind of keep the chlorine in there so it doesn't turn green on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the cover on it, the the water movement really seems to kind of mess the cover around. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a hassle than a help. All righty. Well, I tell you what, why don't we go ahead and we'll end the podcast there. And uh, if you would, Roy, would you uh, close us out in a prayer? Sure. Thanks. Oh, dear God, we thank you for this time that we've had together to go over what you're doing in our lives, the um, impact of the message from last week, and just to talk about some of the things that are going on in the world around us. And Father, just a reminder that we are anchored in you, that we're um, guided by your word, that we do have the peace and, and joy 
that uh, just is given to us through your spirit and just through the um, glorious truth of having a relationship with you. And we just humble ourselves and just pray to you now in the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today and found it thought-provoking. The Upper Room is a Bible Fellowship Church production. The opinions discussed by our guests are just opinions and random thoughts at the time of recording and do not necessarily reflect the doctrine or stated beliefs of Bible Fellowship Church.